0: us probably need breakthrough. So I want to talk to us today about the aligning of our eyes, the second part of that word that came forward, and the importance of our spiritual sight, okay? So again, I want to repeat what I said last week. It is imperative that we respond to the Lord as He gives us a word, or we will fall into that category that Jesus described in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, of those that built their house, uh, their foundation on sand rather than the rock, and then when the storms, the wind, and the rain came, the house that was built on sand, it fell. But then Jesus said that the house established on the rock, it stood solid. And Jesus ended that story, that parable, with these words, if you will hear my words and act on them. And I said last week, that sounds a lot like what the book of James says. Don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer Of the word. So that's important that we activate the word and not just agree and say, oh, yeah, that's good. But we act upon it and it becomes part of our life and a principle that we're living. So Jesus said, if you hear my words and act on them, you will be wise. I want to be that category, amen, don't you? I know you do. But he said, but if you hear my words and you don't, you do not act on my words, you'll be considered foolish. So we don't want to fall into that category. I don't think anybody here wants that. So here's what the word of the Lord said on given on that December the 8th. I am realigning my house, this house, the wow house. And other words have come forth even since then that, that validate that. I'm fine-tuning my church to release the heavenlies in your personal life, Family life and business. yea, Lord. I want that. I have given much to my house, and now it's a timely order of release. So prepare your hearts. And I said, that's important. We must prepare our hearts. That's what the prayer season of prayer and fasting has been about, to prepare our hearts to be able to receive. To prepare your hearts to receive my alignment, the Lord said. And here's the result, my kingdom glory will explode in your midst. That's what we're looking for, amen? The explosion of this kingdom glory in our midst. Your home, your family, your business, your life, your health, whatever it is, all of it. I'm aligning your heart. And here's where it says the Lord is active. He said, I'm aligning your heart. Today we're focusing on, I'm aligning your eyes. I'm aligning your mind. So there's three areas, heart, eyes, and mind. Turn to me as your only source, I am yours for eternity. So I wonder if you are aware today what the most popular surgery in the world is today. Anybody know? Laser surgery, Lasix surgery. Uh, We've experienced that in our family years ago. And uh, it, it, it was—it's remarkable. I told you about my story. I tried to wear a contact lens, contact lens one in one eye, and it was supposed to help. I think that one was supposed to help me read, while the other one was just normal. So I had one contact in the eye, and it was a challenge. I'd never worn that before, and never did glasses before. So it was the first challenge was to remember which eye does it go in. <laughs> and then it was getting it in the eye. And uh, and then it was trying to overcome it feeling like sand or dirt in my eye all day long. And so none of that worked for me. And, you know, I've rolled them and destroyed them and lost them in the sink and all that stuff that if you're a contact wearer, you've probably experienced those uh, delights of that, that, uh, that challenge also. So that didn't work for me. And, and I ended up having to go to glasses. And I had readers everywhere. I had a pair in the office. I had a pair upstairs at home, a pair in the kitchen at home, a Pair a pair where I sit and do other reading downstairs. And then I'd carry a pair in my pocket. And, man, that was a lot to keep up with. Finally, I gave up and really went and got a real eye exam by an ophthalmologist. And they said, you need glasses. And I said, you were so smart. And so they prescribed glasses for me. And then in time, it got to where I couldn't read. So guess what's next is the bifocal. And then there came a time that when I stood up here or taught or did something, I couldn't see, you know, information, couldn't read the Bible, couldn't see notes. And I'm going, you know how you do around, you know. And I have to have lines in mind. I have to have the lines. i tried no lines. That didn't work. And, you know, you call them up, and I say, listen, this, this uh, no line thing's not working for me. And they say, well, you got to give it about a month for your eyes and your brain to adjust. I said, lady, I don't have a month. I've got to see today. Anybody anybody with me? You know, had that experience? i got to see now, lady. I can't wait a month. A lot of stuff can happen within a month. So uh, didn't have to take the, get, the, get the lines put in. And then there came that fateful day. I was complaining to Pastor Collins. I said, man, I can't see stuff, you know. On he said, you need trifocals. I said, no way. No, I'm not that old. I'm and he kind of looked at me like, he said, well, I have trifocals. I said, I know it. I said, and respectfully, I'm not that old. And uh, so I went and got checked, and I ended up with trifocals. So, and I have to have lines. They say people that are analytical. I didn't say anal, but people that are analytical have to have the lines in there because they have to have definition, you know, and they have to, they have to do that. And, I, yeah, that's, that's me. I've got to have it, you know, pretty clear. So our eyesight is so important to us. I don't know if anybody in this congregation, if you have difficulty with the eyesight, we've prayed for people before. We had a lady in Brazil this year that she had a stroke and she couldn't see out of her left eye. I think she was 80% blind and could not see out of that left eye, and after prayer and ministering to her, her total sight was recovered. She was so happy. Now, she had a good eye, but yet it was that eye that was, uh, left eye that could not see. It affected her life. It affected her well-being, as you could imagine, you know. So people want to have that 20-20 vision, you know. They say that's the vision that you can, you're supposed to be able to see at 20 feet. That's the normal vision a person's supposed to have at 20 feet. So our vision is so critical to our life. And to be blind can be overcome. And God bless those that have that challenge in their life. And they overcome and they didn't let it stop them. But it definitely presents challenges. Uh, Vision loss affects a person's quality of their independence of life. Many times they have to depend on others. It affects their mobility because they could be injured if they're not careful. Listen, some of us with normal eyesight getting up in the night in the dark. You ever caught your toe on the edge of the bed if you'd only turn the light on, you know? So mobility, it can affect injuries. Our cognitive and social functions, employment, it could affect your employment, or even educational attainment. So, and there are many, many testimonies from people that are visually impaired that they speak of how significant the role of vision is in their health, in their vocation, and their social well-being. And I want to just talk to us, and we probably won't be long today. I know when preachers tell you that, they go over time. But I hope to God that that's not the case today. Just want to really present something really simple to you today. That number one, proper vision, it's necessary for life in the natural. And as we're dealing with it today in our uh, message here, in the spiritual. So proper vision's necessary for life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22, that the eye is the lamp Of the body. And so, if your eye, Jesus said, is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, that's true in the natural, too. You know, I don't know how many of you've uh, dealt with cataracts yet, I've already done that. And I had cataract surgery, and then after a year, you know, you have to go back. They warn you, hey, within a year, you may have to come back for, uh, you know, another little surgery and tweaking and all the drops procedure. I I didn't been down that road, you know. So eyesight is precious. And I, you know, I read and constantly, so it's, it's valuable to me. And Jesus said, so if your eye's healthy, your whole body's going to be full of light. It's amazing when you get cataract surgery on one eye that you, you, cover up, you cover up the bad eye and light is actually white again. Y'all act like you haven't had this stuff yet. Come on. Some of you just won't say, I ain't. But then, and then you cover up the good eye that you had the cataract surgery and everything's kind of yellow and dim. And it's amazing when you get both of them done, you go, wow, I didn't know that those things did that. And you're looking around and you're, you're kind of like a kid again, you know, you're able to see right. And so Jesus said in the natural, but even more in the spiritual. So if your eye's healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if it's bad, your eye's bad, your body's full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright. Now, we've talked to you about the physical sight, but Jesus here is talking about the spiritual. Our spiritual vision and how we see and perceive life, it's more than just what we need for the physical need of eyesight. What Jesus is saying here in this Matthew 6 cha- uh, verses He's talking about general soundness in your spiritual vision, your spiritual eyesight, how you see things spiritually. Not, and it actually means when you look it up and you study in the commentaries, it means not looking two ways. Uh, and, and, and just, you know, if you've ever had, uh, uh, your eyes have been, uh, you've had double vision or, you, you, you know, you have to deal with eyes being crossed, cross-eyedness, you know, trying to look, you know, opposite ways. That, that just doesn't work good. It's, it's not good vision. So it's, it's speaking of your eye being good, your eye being whole, your eye being healthy in a spiritual sense. And it connotates that not looking two ways or not being cross-eyed or, or general soundness. It, and it talks about, it denotes the simplicity of the mind's eye our spiritual part of us singleness of purpose looking at an object singularly and as opposed to two ends in view now if you got if you if you're trying to see something two ends in view you've got division and that brings confusion So when I've got to go to the eye doctor tomorrow, as a matter of fact, talking about that, my little story, and get the general checkup, and they check for all the things they check with, you know, do the little Star Wars thing and and do the peripheral vision thing and all that stuff. So how do we protect our spiritual vision? I want to give you just some scriptures this morning. This is just real simple, just real, the Word of God talking. How do we protect our spiritual vision? Proverbs 4 says this. I've said again that Proverbs 4 is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture, the earlier part in this. But Proverbs 4, 25 and 27 through 27 says this. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, which is your spiritual walk, and in all your ways be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left Turn your foot from evil. Wow, Proverbs is powerful. All of the Word of God is. But He's talking there, let your eyes look directly ahead. Get your vision focused. Get your vision focused on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, we, We look into Jesus, who's the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. We've got to keep our vision on Jesus. In this time, in this day, in this, what we're living in, what's going on all over the world, some were coming in early and they were talking about the events. The constant earthquakes in Puerto Rico, they've had like, I think into the thousands now, three point and 4 point, you know, just constantly shaking the fires in Australia, just the, the craziness, you know, all over the world in nature, the craziness in people's lives and minds and hearts all over the world. You know, just we're seeing that we know it's the last days and a lot of people are afraid, but the word tells you and I as God's people, keep your vision, keep your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he says. You to do and doing his kingdom work. Amen. So let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed in front of you and then watch the path of your feet. Watch your life, what you do, what you get involved in and what you allow your yourself to be involved in. Don't be pulled into things by people. Keep your life pure before the Lord. So as with bodily vision, the person who sees with good, a good sound spiritual eye, walks in light, seeing things clearly. There's so many voices out there today and so many things are telling you what this is right and that's right, and we really need that personal relationship with the Lord. It boils down to you can't you can't take everybody's word. I don't ask you to take my word. Study the Bible, read the Bible and pray. Please, that's your responsibility to do that too. If all you depend on is what you're fed Sunday or Wednesday, that's not enough. You're, you're, You're on a starvation diet if that's all you're feeding on. You've got to have an intake and feeding on God's Word every day. That's why I put that little article in the bulletin from Paul Tripp to encourage us, get into the Word of God this year like you've never gotten into it before. So just that simple and persistent purpose that you and I need to determine from the beginning to onset of this year to serve and to please the Lord in everything we do, it will bring consistency and stability into your life. When all the world's going crazy, if you'll do those things that the Word of God says, you will have a stable life and consistent life. Psalm 101 says this. Here's how you do it. You're, you keep your eyes. I will set no worthless, and when I looked up that word, it means wicked or ungodly thing before my eyes. I will set no worthless, wicked, or ungodly thing before my eyes. That means your physical eyes because what you see in the natural affects you in the spiritual realm. So we have to be responsible. Nobody else is responsible for what you do except for you. You have to take responsibility and take action steps. You don't just say, yes, that's the right thing to do. You've got to take action steps to do the right thing that you know is right to do. And that's what, the, that's what the scripture says. If you just know, if you, if you know to do evil and you, don't, and you don't do good, it's a sin. So we're responsible. So if, you know, violent movies, of course, pornography, and there's a lot of video games and video things that promote illicit uh, relationships and violent context. You don't need to feed your eyes upon that. If you're a young person or if you're an older person, you don't need to be consuming that. You need to not set your eyes on worthless, wicked, evil things because it will affect you. It will mess you up spiritually. Uh, some people, you know, some people, they watch horror movies and they go to sleep and they have horrible dreams because of that. Well, you fed, to, what you feed on is what you're going to become and what you're going to think about. And you're opening, you're actually opening the door to the enemy to harass you and torment you. And you wonder, well, I'm disturbed and I don't have peace. Well, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you looking at? You need to not set your eyes on worthless, wicked, ungodly things. Don't put it before your eyes. Job says this, 31.1. said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I look or lust at a virgin or a young woman? Guys, this is good for us. Whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged or you're old. We had, a, we had a pastor friend that he was in his 80s, and he asked a pastor friend in his 90s, said, when does this lust thing, and they were pastors, they were preachers, okay? We're human too, and I've never denied that. The 80-year-old asked the 90-year-old, when does this lust thing stop? And the 90-year-old said, you're going to have somebody else because I still wrestle with it. That's just being honest, and and that's just the way it is. I've asked the Lord before some things in my life. Lord, when is this going to stop? When am I going to have absolute total victory over it, whether it never bothers me again? Lord, please, when? And the Lord said, When you draw your last breath and the battle's over. That's not the answer I wanted to hear, to be honest with you. I wanted the Lord to say, Well, if this happens and this happens in your life, and when you get this age, you know that's going to stop. It doesn't stop because there's an enemy that's always after us to deceive, steal, kill, and destroy. You can't ever let your guard down. You rest in the Lord, but you can't depend on the flesh. And Job says that, make a covenant with your eyes. Make a covenant with the Lord and make a covenant with your eyes that you're not even going to look upon those things, whether live, you know, in person or, you know, through video or through whatever, the phone and... And all that stuff, you know all that, the, the, the enemies just made things, the phone and, and media devices, they are wonderful things for communicating and good things, the gospel, but they are also horrible things that have brought pornography and all of the sin just so easy. You don't have to go to some slutty bookstore, can I use that word today? You don't have to go to some slutty video store or bookstore today to, to, to hide out. You can do it in the privacy of your own home or your car with your phone or whatever. You know, you need to make provision, make a covenant with your eyes. And uh, some people this weekend went to something at, at Regent University. It was about pornography. And uh, it, is a, it is a curse upon mankind that even it is prevalent in the church. Listen, there's people sitting right here and I know you're not going to raise your hand, but there's people sitting right here. You're struggling. You are addicted with pornography. I want to tell you, God loves you. He's not mad at you, but he does have deliverance for you. He has deliverance for you. And you need to be hungry and seek that. Amen. We have steps to freedom. We have ancient paths. We have some ministries that will help you with that. But you've got to quit living in darkness and bring it to the light. You see, when you live and keep something in darkness, the devil always has advantage over you. He will always have advantage over you if you keep it in darkness. Now, I didn't say put it on the screen and go tell everybody in the congregation. That's not what we want you to do. We don't want to hear that testimony necessarily. We want to hear the one where you got delivered, okay? But if, you'll, if you will come and confide with somebody that you trust, that we, will, we want to minister you and we want to see healing for you. Amen. I just want to say that too. Romans 6 says this. Uh, this, this scripture, Romans 6... Has helped me to learn how to deal with my flesh. I got flesh, you got flesh, we're humans, okay? And I'm very transparent with you. But Romans 6, when I understood Romans 6, Paul talks about the struggle that he was in. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this miserable body, you know, and the struggles with sin? He goes through that struggle in Romans 6, 7, and 8. But in Romans 6, he gives us some keys, they're not secret. But they are keys to dealing with your flesh. And this is what he said. This is just a little synopsis of it, two verses of a lot. But here's the synopsis of it. He said, don't let, don't let sin reign in your mortal, meaning your human earthly body. You know what that tells me? We say, oh, God, do this for me, do that for me. The Lord said, no, you don't let sin reign. You take the responsibility. You take the authority. You take the action steps not to let it reign. Well, how do you not let it reign? Well, number one, you don't watch it. You don't turn it on. You don't go to it. You fix your phone. You fix your media device where you can't get to it anymore if you're tempted to get to it. You take steps. Don't let it rain in your mortal body. When thoughts come to your mind, it, the devil will try to convince you as a Christian, oh, you're, see what a sorry Christian you are, see what you're thinking about. Most of the time, that's not really you thinking that or wanting that. That is a fiery dart from Ephesians 6. That's a fiery dart that's shot into your mind by the enemy the demonic realm to try to get you and disqualify you. Most of the time, the devil tries to convince you that's just you, that's you, that's what you really want. And I said, no, it's not. I know I'm the only one in this room. I'll just pretend I'm the only one in this room that deals with mental thinking and stuff. But I said, no, it's not me. I don't want that anymore. That's what I got saved from. I don't want that. I know that's not godly. It's not right. And you could go to hell over that, and I'm not going there. So I have to tell my flesh on a regular basis, shut up. You're not going to think that. And I have to just get a hold of my mind. It says, bring every thought into captivity and to obedience of Christ Jesus you got to get a hold of your what you're thinking. Because if you just sit there and let it think, if you're in bed at night or, you know, you're daydreaming or something or you see somebody and it activates something and your mind starts chasing at that, you've got to say, wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What am I doing? I've had to say to myself, what are you doing, you idiot? The Lord may not call you an idiot. And the Lord didn't call me, but i got to talk to myself. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're a child of God. You can't go there. You know where it will take you if you go there. So don't go there. So you got to get a hold of your mind. You bring that thought into captivity. Just take that thing. Say, no, we're just going to box you up in the name of Jesus. And, we just, and I, I say, I take authority. Here's, here's what I do. I don't know if it would work for you. I said, I take authority over my flesh. I take authority over my mind in the name of Jesus. And I tell you, stop. Because, see, I'm the one that opens the door. You're the one that opens the door. The devil can't do anything to you except what you let and allow him to do. Well, the devil made me do it. He didn't make you do anything. You opened the door and you cooperated with him. You came into alignment with him. The word of God's telling us align your heart, your mind, and your, your, your heart, your eyes, and your mind with the Lord. This is good. This is good. This is not even in the notes. Forget the notes. This is good. This is a good rabbit. Good rabbit. Good one of them big jack rabbits. Go <laughs> are going to ride that boy I have to tell my flesh to shut up first I have to deal with me because I'm the one that opened the door but then to say you devil you demonic realm I rebuke the spirit of lust or I rebuke the spirit of covetousness or I rebuke the spirit of greed or I rebuke the spirit of jealousy or whatever it is that's going on it's you you've got to deal with first Paul said, don't open the door to him. Don't give place to him. That's what he meant. Don't give place to the devil. Because if you do, you've opened the door and you're agreeing with him. So when you deal with yourself, then you have authority to deal with the enemy. Now, I don't go around talking to the devil all the time. I just say, shut up. Get behind me, get under my feet where you're under Jesus' feet. So you got to be under my feet because Jesus is in me and greater is he that's in me. See, if you don't use the word, you don't have anything to fight with. That's the weapons of our warfare. And you got to know the word and you don't just quote it at him because that doesn't do any good. The devil's not afraid of just the word quoted at him. You got you to live it, you got to believe it. You got to know that it works and you got to use it on him. That's what Jesus did. He used the word on the devil, and the devil skedaddled, if I can say that. The devil tucked his little tail between his legs and went off. Yes, he came back, and the devil's going to come back against you too. But you just continue to do the same thing against him and resist him. And that's what Paul told us, and, and the Scriptures tell us. You resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But it actually, it says in James 1, submit yourself to God. You've got to do that part first, submit yourself to God. That means do it God's way, submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The devil's not going anywhere if you're not submitted to God. If you're not like, I didn't say perfect because there's none of us that are perfect and God knows that. But when you submit yourself to God and you're doing life God's way and you're doing your best to serve God and you're fighting the good fight of faith, then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you've got to mean business. Amen. Did I ever tell you the scripture yet? No. Let not your sin, let not sin, let not sin reign rule your mortal body. You have the authority to make, to make you obey its passions. That's the battle. The devil's trying to pull you on, on, on his side. Your flesh wants to lean towards his side. But the Spirit, that's why we're fasting, is to tell our physical being, you're not in control of me. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is in control of this human earthly body because the Scriptures say our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, it's temporary here on life. We're going to get a new and resurrected one, hallelujah, thank God, that don't turn gray, don't turn wrinkly, don't turn old, don't turn any of that stuff. probably looks about 25 or 30-something, all for eternity. You should have been shouting over that. But make your mortal body, don't let sin o- make you obey its passions. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for righteousness. Amen. What are your members? Your eyes, your brain, your mouth, your hands, your feet, body parts. Members. Amen. Don't present, don't offer, don't give don't give the opportunity. And again he's saying, see, we said, Well, God, you help me do this. The Lord said, You don't let sin reign. Don't present your members. You have the responsibility to do it. Nobody else can do it for you. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourself to God as those who've been brought from death to life. Sin. You know the reality of this? Sin does really has no power over you if you're truly a born-again Christian. Jesus defeated sin for you. Therefore, sin has no power over you. You say, wait a minute, I'm still tempted. That's the devil lie, The devil's lie coming to you, trying to operate through your flesh to make you believe again that you're still subject and have to sin. And we come up with, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, according to Jeremiah, your heart is deceitful above all things. You're fooling yourself. <laughs> well, you know, we're all human. Yeah, we are, but we're redeemed. We're, 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 we're redeemed from the curse of the law. We're redeemed from the power of sin. That's what being a child of God is. Now, I admit none of us are living perfectly. We have not arrived yet. We won't until we see him as he is, and then we will be like him. Yes, but our journey now is like Paul's journey, those things that are behind. I forget those things that are behind. I press forward to the prize of the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. That should be our constant goal, to be, be transformed and conformed into his image. That's the process we're going through in this life. So, in order to do that, you have to present yourself to God as those that have been brought from death to life. And your members, meaning the members of your human fleshly, earthly body, present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. This is an awesome prayer. Those two verses, Romans 6, 12 and 30. This is an awesome prayer for you to learn and quote and understand what it means every day when you get up. You don't get saved or born again every day, but you can sanctify yourselves and commit yourself every day. Lord, I'm going to live for you. You're Lord. And, and Lord, I, and I've done this for years, and, and there's times and periods in my life the Holy Spirit brings it back to my memory, and I, and I say it in the morning, and I say, Lord, I, I just present my members, all of me, the whole works. I present my members, Lord, to you as instruments of righteousness today. I determine not to let sin reign in my mortal body that causes me to obey its lust. And just, you make that commitment. You make that covenant with the Lord every day. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man or how can a young woman, how can anybody keep their way pure? Gives us the answer. By guarding it your way according to your word. It is so valuable, this word, the truth of this word. The power of this word. It's a living word. It will rebuke you. It will chasten you. It will correct you. It will comfort you. It will bless you. It will give you guidance. It will give you direction. It will give you answers. This word is complete. And the enemy tries to keep us out of this word. And it is so important. And if the enemy can keep you out of this word, you have no weapons against the enemy in your flesh. We need to do what Jesus did. You say, well, it was automatic for him. He studied the Torah. He learned it as a child and a young person. He got it in his mind. It operated in his heart. And it came out of his mouth when he needed it against the enemy. It's, it's going to work the same way. with you. Jesus is the model for us. He's the model. It didn't just work for him because he's the son of God. He was a model to show us how to live that resurrected Christian God-following life. Amen. If you're young or old, keeping, guarding your way with the word of God, it will work for you. And then in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus expressed the seriousness, the seriousness of dealing with sin. Now, the first time I read this, it scared me to death as a young Christian, 18 years old, because I thought you were supposed to obey it and go do it. And it scared me. I went, oh, my. I don't know if I can do this. I love Jesus, but. And it says this if your right eye causes you to sin, this version said, tear it out. The other, King James said, pluck it out and throw it away. I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, really, I was taking it literally as a, as a new believer and going, what, what do you do? You poke your finger up in there and flick it out? You know, what do you. I'm going, oh, God, that's, I can't do that. I love Jesus, but I can't do that. And I've under, come to understand that Jesus was trying to impress us. Sin is so serious, it will destroy you. It'll kill you. It'll cause you to miss all that God has for you and wants you to be. That sin is so serious, you need to deal in a radical measure with sin, towards sin. You've got to be radical against sin. We've got to be radical against sin. He went on to say it's better that you lose one of your members, there's that members again, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If you've got a lust problem and an eye problem with looking when you shouldn't look, you need to deal radically with it. (laughs) Maybe you need to go to the horse place, western place, and buy some blinders. I don't know. You definitely need to pray. You probably definitely need deliverance. There may be a spirit of lust there. You need deliverance from. There may be some things in your old life, some generational curses. Maybe you need some ministry for to help you through that. Praise God. That's nothing to be ashamed of. That's something to get delivered of and be free, to be free. And it can happen because the devil convinces people, oh, you'll never be free of this. And, and again, if you keep it secret, you won't. But if you will expose the enemy where he's operating in your life, you, that's the first step to you beginning to become free. You've got to expose the devil, the enemy. You got to tell on yourself, and you got to seek help. Then I want to talk to you. At point two. Wow, see as God sees. We la- heard last week. We uh, what's God's heart, and today is what's God's vision. How does God see? And uh, so Psalm thirty-three. There's a lot. There was oh man. There was listen. There were like hundreds of scriptures for all this, and I just had to. I had two messages prepared, and I wasn't at peace. And I said, this just it wasn't right. It was about vision and stuff. I said, "It's just not, it wasn't right. So I had to go back uh, yesterday and, and work on this. And it was just like I was overwhelmed with how many scriptures. So I'm just going to give you a few today. See as God sees. That's what our vision needs to be on. That's why we're praying. That's why we're fasting is to get rid of our faulty visions and to be able to see 2020 and beyond as God's seeing it. You know, you listen to the news, if you do anymore, and they say, well, here's my projection or here's how I see this is going to happen. We need to see it as God sees it's going to happen in whatever arena, personal life in whatever arena. Psalm 33, 18, 19, the Lord's eye, he has eyes, he sees. The Lord's eye is upon those who reverence him. King James says those who fear him, who reverence, who all who respect, who fear God, the Lord's eye is upon those. His eye is drawn to those that reverence him. His eye also sees those that do wickedness, but they don't remain in his sight. He loves them, but he doesn't love their wickedness. So the Lord's eyes upon those who reverence him, who wait for him and hope in his mercy and his loving kindness to do what? To deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. No matter how bad it may get, God's eyes upon those that live righteous for him. Don't give up. Don't let sin, read Psalm 37. It talks about the whole thing about the wicked and what they do and what they're accomplishing and everything. And all of a sudden it shifts and David sees, but the Lord comes to the rescue of his righteous people and those that love the Lord. So read Psalm 37. It's very encouraging, especially nowadays when, we, when it looks like evil is overtaken and running, running the show and everything. And I'm, I'm not talking politically this morning. I'm just talking about evil in the world. When it looks that way and it looks, like the, it looks like evil's winning, read Psalm 37. They don't win. Evil doesn't win. The devil doesn't win. There's a place reserved for him. It's called the lake of fire. The demons, the devil, the false prophet, the antichrist, they're going to end up in the lake of fire. Those that, those that remain faithful and serve the Lord, he said, you will endure to the end. I want to be in that. Even if it's a remnant, I want to be in that group to endure to the end and serve the Lord. So the Lord has the ability to keep you. Here, I, I, I love this scripture because I said, Lord, I want to be one of these. Second Chronicles sixteen nine, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro or search to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong, In behalf of those whose hearts are blameless towards him. Now you might think, well, my heart's not blameless. But what another translation says, to those who are wholehearted towards the Lord. The Lord's looking throughout the whole earth to do what? Show himself strong in behalf or through those whose hearts are wholehearted towards him. You and I just need to be those people, Lord, I want, I want everything in my life to come under alignment with you. And when you do that, the eyes of the Lord are upon you to show himself strong through you. God's looking for vessels, instruments, people that will give themselves so totally to him. No, we're not perfect. We got issues and stuff about our life. You, you know that. You know that about yourself, and we certainly know that about other people. We see it in other people real clear. We're not perfect. And God's not looking for perfection in the sense of that. No, absolutely zero wrong. But he's just looking for people that will give themselves to him. And he will show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts is complete towards him. Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the uncompromisingly righteous. A lot of compromise going on today. A lot of compromise among Christians going on today. But the eyes of the Lord are toward the uncompromisingly righteous, and his ears are open to their cries. Wow. Job thirty-four twenty-one. For God's eyes are upon the ways of a man, meaning humanity. He sees all his steps. The Lord's upon us. Then 2 Corinthians 4, For your light, this is God talking to you today. This is God's word to you. For your, he calls you, whatever you're going through, As serious as it is to you, as debilitating as to you, as earth-shattering it is to you, this is what the Lord is saying to you today. Your light and momentary affliction. Maybe that offends you. Oh, God, this is not light. Maybe momentary, but, Lord, it sure isn't light. I've never been through this before. It's pretty heavy, Lord. Well, take comfort, he said. I will not put upon you. More than you're able to bear, but with every temptation, I'll provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to bear it. He said, "For your light and momentary affliction is ever more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for you an everlasting weight of glory." Just Sheila, you need to get that a moment. Exclusively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. In other words, what you're going through now, it's light and momentary because God's got a whole lot of good things to come for you. Since we consider and look not to the thing, and here's, here's where we need to adjust our focus, our vision, our eyesight. We consider and look not to the things that are seen, what's going on, what's happening in your family, your life circumstances, your body, your job, your whatever, marriage, whatever. We don't look at the things that are seen, but we, but are seen, but to the things that are unseen. What does God have that's unseen? Blessing, provision, restoration, healing. Things that right now seem very far away from you and very unreal to you, but yet that's what God's seeing for you. And that's why he says your your light momentary affliction, it's preparing you for what God has for you. So don't look at the things that are going on right now that are seen. But look at those things that you can't see yet, that you're praying about, you're wishing about, you're dreaming about in the Lord. For the things that are visible, they're temporal. They're temporary. They're temporal. They're temporary. They're brief and fleeting. But the things that are invisible, they're deathless. And they're everlasting. In other words, it's what God has for you throughout eternity. Not when you die, but now you can experience it through eternity. What an awesome scripture. So don't get your vision on what's going on right now. Get your vision, your eyesight on what the Lord has for you. And where are you going to find it? If you don't get in the Word, you don't know what His plan is for your life. And then here's our prayer for God's vision. I love this. I didn't put my favorite scriptures in here, but a lot of them showed up in here. 2 Kings 6, I love this story. The Syrians come against Israel, and the Syrian king has all kinds of uh, ambushments and, and traps set up. But what happens is every time him and his military sets up an ambushment for Israel, the king of Israel hears about it, and when he goes to that place, he checks it out, and he doesn't fall into the trap, the snare, or the defeat of the devil. So the Syrian king says, who among us is a betrayer telling the Israel king and army what we're doing? So, so he, he's, he's confronting his soldiers and, he, and his leader. He said, which one of you is a traitor to us? Which one of you is telling the secrets to Israel where we're going to meet them, where we're going to try to trap them and destroy them? They said, king, it's not us. Said, it's the prophet Elisha. Everything you even utter in your bedroom in secret, he hears it and he tells the king of Israel. So the trap is, the Syrian king says, go after him, get him and bring him. So Elisha and his servant... They're doing what they do, serving the Lord, prophesying, serving God, trying to help Israel do the right thing, be the people of God. And all of a sudden, one morning, I think it's Gehazi. It might be Gehazi. It could be another one. He goes out of the tent, and he looks, and he sees uh, surrounding them on the hills, the army of the Syrians. And he goes, OMG! OMG! <laughs> And so he runs in, he tells Elisha, da, 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 Come look. Elijah steps out of the tent. And Elijah just simply says to him, Fear not. <laughs> Fear not. Some of you need to hear that word today. Fear not. For those with us are more than those with them. See, he had the right vision, didn't he? He had his eyes on the Lord. He knew the truth of God. He knew the word of God. He knew God's plan for Israel. They're not going to be destroyed. He was in touch with the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. He had a prophetic word for Israel. He said, don't be afraid. For those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And then Elijah prayed, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Open my servant's eyes. Open this man's eyes that he may see. That says, and the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And Elisha says, there's more for us than there is for them. And I want to remind you of all the angels in heaven that God created. Lucifer, in his deceitful act of rebellion against God, he only led one-third of them to become the demonic realm. There's two, to, there's two to one. There's twice as many angels that are helping us. And, and the Bible says there's myriads of angels. they are countless. We can't even count that high. And if the Lord needs more, I, he's still a creative God. He could create more if he needs to. I don't know. I don't know what he does all the time, you know. It's so seventh day he rested. I don't know if what he's doing now, but thank God he's not resting. He comes to our rescue. Hallelujah. But there's twice as many for you than there is against you. Oh, the devil makes his voice loud, and he makes his threat. You know, the, you remember the story of the three pigs? Any of you old enough to remember the story about the three pigs, the big bad wolf? He comes in huffs and puffs, and I'm going to blow you. He's threats. He's wind. He's no airbag. That's what the devil is. Because these scriptures I just shared with you out of Romans, Jesus has already defeated him. He's under your feet because greater is he that lives in you. So quit letting the devil bluff you, threaten you, intimidate you. Put him in his place under your feet. The devil comes and tells you all this mess is happening to you and going on in your life. Remind him of his future. Amen. If he brings up your past, remind him of his future. Say, well, yeah, look where you're going. Look, look at the end of the book. Look at how this thing's in. You are going to end up in the lake of fire. And if I just be continued to be faithful to the Lord, love the Lord with all my heart. That's all the Lord asks. Be faithful to him. Love him. Endure to the end. You're going down, devil. As a matter of fact, you already have. Jesus has already defeated you. So just remind him. Remind him of his end. You and I, you may be here today. Your circumstances may may be such that you've lost your focus. And the Lord is saying to us in 2020, he wants to personally work in your heart, your life, to realign not only your heart, but your eyes. To see him. To see who he is. It's like Isaiah 6 says, When he caught that vision of the Lord, he saw the Lord in his temple. And he saw the glory of the Lord. and He saw the angelic. Some of you need your eyes to be opened. Some of you need to see the Lord in his glory. Some of you need to see that the Lord is fighting on your behalf. The devil may be breathing down your neck. Things may be going in reverse for you. But that's just the devil trying to intimidate you. And shut you up and back you off. And what you need to do is take one step forward in his face and say, get behind me. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and I take authority over you. In Jesus' name. I just want to stop there. I want you to stand with me this morning. I feel the Spirit of the Lord come into this place through declaring his word over you. Would you do this this morning, even from the balcony? Would you just, let's just all gather in in the altar this morning. We're going to do something to conclude the fast Wednesday night. I think we'll have communion. I think we've talked about that. Uh, I'm not quite sure everything that'll happen there, but I just want us as God's people, God's family, to gather here this morning. I tell you what, I've preached myself happy. I've preached myself in the faith. <laughs> yeah. you know, the pastor needs that too. I mean, I've got to eat it before I give it to you. I've got to walk through the experience. I'm not one of these that can just look at a book and tell you, well, it says this. This. I always have to put it through my meat grinder first. And I have to live it and taste it and go through it first. I'm not one of these that can just come up with something. But I've had to go through it first. It's It's just... This is an understatement, but it's a crazy world we're living in right now. But I want to give you a word of reality. It's it's going to get crazier. It just is. Jesus said it was. And because people continue to rebel against God, the rebellion gets deeper and worse. And, you know, we don't need God. We can fix it ourselves. Yeah, what what a great job they're doing. You know, all of them. What a great job some of your family are doing, running their own life. But the Lord wants us to focus on him. So, I want to encourage you, stop looking at all the distraction that the devil's trying to throw up. Smoke screens, diversions, terror. Psalms, Proverbs says, don't be afraid of sudden terror. And how do you deal with that? You keep your focus on the Lord. It's like trying to cross a canyon, you know, on a narrow bridge. If you look down, <laughs> just got to look straight ahead. Keep your focus on Jesus. And that's what it says, Hebrews 12 two. Keep looking unto Jesus who is the author, the beginner and the finisher of your faith. He has the ability and the power to keep you and to see you through. And just in, in a simplistic childhood like way, all you got to do is put your hand in his hand. He's never going to let us go because he said that. Keep your hand in his hand and don't let go. Hold on, squeeze tighter if you have to, but don't let go. Father, I thank you for your presence, the Holy Spirit, that I sense in this place right now to encourage hearts, to break yokes, to give breakthroughs. But Lord, our vision, our focus would be on you, Jesus, for our family, for our marriage, for our loved ones, Lord, for our jobs, for our health. Lord, for every area of our life, for our money, our jobs. Lord, every area, Lord, things that I haven't even mentioned, Lord, that people are going through right now, standing here or watching online, Father. You are the God of the breakthrough. And I declare over this people, I declare in my life, my family, my household, over these, Lord Jesus, the flock of this pasture, I declare over every one of them, Lord, breakthrough breakthrough in jesus name breakthrough today that lord they'd stop looking at idols or stop looking at distractions stop looking at the threats lord that stuff the enemy tries to blow in blow up make bigger than what it really is that lord we magnify the lord we magnify the lord we can't make you bigger in reality because you're big and huge and awesome already but in our situation We have magnified our problem, and we've magnified our need. And Lord, today we repent of that. Forgive us for having our focus, our eyesight on our needs or our problems. Because Father, we confess today you are bigger, greater, better than whatever we have as a challenge in our life. And Father, today we redirect our vision, our focus Our eyesight upon you Lord your greatness your goodness your mercy your promises Lord in the name of Jesus let each one experience standing here even those watching online let them experience Lord a breakthrough of your presence of your love your perfect love casts out all fear we just pray Lord your your spirit your grace your your love baptizes fills strengthens hearts Lord this morning in the name in the name of the name that's above every need challenge problem situation sin power sin in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we declare your goodness and mercy and grace and grace and grace